Thanks for joining us today on the Port City Church Podcast. With multiple campuses existing within Southeastern North Carolina, our mission is to be helpful and hopeful as we reach people and help them walk with God. To learn more about the heart behind our church, we encourage you to visit us at portcity.church. Good morning. It is great uh, to see everyone here. It's, it's great to be here, uh, to be um, together. Last week, um, I had the privilege of uh, preaching uh, at the Bald Head Island Chapel, and uh, it was absolutely it was so much fun. And I don't know if y'all, if you follow, uh, especially if you follow my wife or my kids on social media, you saw my solo. solo. <clears throat> Five of you did. Uh, I forgot to turn my mic off while I was singing, uh, the con- leading the congregation in the last hymn, and they blasted outside for all the islanders uh, to hear. And my wife and kid uh, were kind enough to record it, um, not to cherish the memory, but to make fun of me incessantly. Um, so I got to do that, and part of this summer, um, we, are, we, are, we are hearing from, from voices of our church. One of the things that I've appreciated so much um, over the last few years, culminating uh, really in 2022, is this idea of our voice and how God is bringing together um, a people, and, and not just the people in our congregation, but a people um, that have been super helpful to me to begin to better hone the vision and what God is doing in our church. And a few months, maybe earlier this year, I'm not sure exactly how long ago, but, but Clay talked to us uh, and our staff about our congregation. And our congregation is not something that we as staff talk about you as our congregation, but our congregation is something that we are a part of. And it's helping me realize, and he, he challenged us all to consider this, that we all need the church. We all need this church. Um, it's easy for us when we work at the church and we're here, we think that the church needs us. And it's, it's, it's not that we need this place. We need what God is doing here. God has called us here to be a part of his congregation. And so with that has kind of been this emergence of voices and learning how to hear, um, not just from other people, um, but from, from the way in which God is actually shaping our voice for the sake um, of the world around us. And all that to say... Um, I was not supposed to be here today, uh, as things would have it uh, in this day and age. The person who was supposed to be here uh, was unable to uh, be here for a, a host of actually one reason, and, and uh, I'm not going to belabor it because it, you'll, you'll, it's not important. Um, it's all good. It's all fine. Um, she tested positive for COVID, so that's why she's not here. So I don't want to, you know, you get the idea. So um, we found this out late in the week, and uh, Clay and I were processing this, and um, he said, you know, Mike, what might be interesting is for people to hear what, what you're kind of experiencing the Sabbath. And we talked about it, and I thought, you know what, <clears throat> Psalm 32 has been really important to me this week, and I assume you guys are all doing um, the podcast. Yes, more and more heads are nodding. Some of you are like, ah, I'll do it this week. Um, you should. Uh, Psalm 32 and to be able to sort of sit, and it's been really fascinating because these last few weeks I've been listening to these. I'm listening to these without the pressure to speak or to preach or to teach. It's just a lot of processing. I've been reading very widely. And so as I thought about this, 
And it led me to Isaiah 58. I spent some time in Isaiah 58 because I think that was on Thursday or Friday's um, podcast. But this blessed is the one whose sin is forgiven. Blessed is the one whose sin is forgiven. Blessed is the one who the Lord does not count your sin against you. Like to stop and consider that. I mean, like for most of my life, man, all of my sin struggles were like, oh my gosh, God's gonna get me this time. Oh my gosh, he's probably finally had enough of me. God, I promise I'll never do this again. Have you ever done that? And then you do it again and you feel a hundred times worse than you did before you promised. And eventually you just say, forget it. I'm not gonna promise anymore. And it's just, it feels so frustrating. You can't figure out how God can still care about you or how God could still use you or how, when is he gonna get tired of you? And it just says, blessed is the one whom the Lord does not count his sin against him or her. Do you know why? Because that's what makes it okay when you promise and you do it again. It doesn't make it right. It means that you don't have to prove, you just have to come back and keep coming back. Blessed is the one, it's, it's a freedom for us to live in the forgiveness that God has given us. And in order to experience that forgiveness, not by continuing to do the same thing, we don't do it on purpose, but to let him form us and to shape us into much needed ways. And that's what the whole last part of that Psalm was about his guidance and his leadership and his teaching us. What I found in my life is it's often a matter of my willingness to learn from him, to really posture myself and say, God, will you really teach me? Because oftentimes the problem isn't he's not teaching me clearly. The problem is I keep trying to get him to teach me what I want him to do. I keep trying to get him to agree with what I already think about things. And so as I'm wrestling through this, uh, three things um, happened this week. I was reading Psalm 32 considering Blessed is my own life because of God's forgiveness in my life and that there um, is no hiddenness. And then I began to hear the ravaging stories of people who have hidden their shame, two or three to be specifically in the last five days. And then uh, the 4th of July. So all these things kind of Piece together. In fact, one of the conversations was, Mike, you know, just talk about what you're reading, uh, what you're processing. And uh, this past week, I have spent an enormous amount of time reading the ruling that came down from the Supreme Court last Friday. That's what I've been reading. 260-something pages. Trying to process and wrestle. Trying to wrestle with my own emotion. Trying to, trying to understand like, it's not flippant when I say, hey, we need to work to understand one another. That's not flippant. It's not passing the buck. That's a genuine posture. Say, Lord, can you help me see something that I don't readily see? Can you help me seek first your kingdom and your righteousness and then trust that everything else will fall into place inside of that? What does it mean for, to, for me to live under the rule of King Jesus? And I've said this over and over and over and over again right, that the left and the right are two sides of the same coin in the wrong system. If you were a follower of Jesus, you can have opinions about those things, you can be passionate about those things, but you have to understand they are not our hope. They're just not. And so when people ask me, Mike, do you think the country is going to get worse or better? I think that's relative. It's the 4th of July. We are celebrating the birth 
of our nation with all of its fits and starts and troubles and all those things. And there are people who feel attention in this. And so I'm sitting here, I say, how do we wrestle this? I like to feel, to not say something feels disingenuous. But if you know me and been around a long time, I'm not going to talk about this the way you are used to hearing it talked about. You know me better than that, right? What our job is, is to learn how to navigate the chaos. America is not going to become less divisive. It's not gonna happen in the next six months or two years. So don't put your hope there. We're gonna learn how to navigate the chaos faithfully and full of hope. That's always my posture. You know this, we don't stand on issues, we walk with people. Tell me a name, tell me a story. Y'all have heard this before, right? Y'all have all heard this before. So we just have to apply it. We have to work to apply it. So all these three things happen. And what is interesting, we're here on the 4th of July, 3rd of July, I know it's the 3rd, but 4th of July weekend. And we've arrived at another place of deep division. This isn't new. And we can still celebrate and find joy and find gratitude and recognize that there are things that need to be addressed and to be done. And you say, what does this have to do with Sabbath rest? This doesn't sound like Sabbath rest. Well, I'm gonna show you, hopefully, uh, in the next uh, few minutes that we have here um, today. Um, Isaiah chapter 58, if you have your Bibles, I want you to look there. You can look it up on your phones or open your Bibles. Isaiah chapter 58. Uh, this was read in, I think, a Thursday's um, reading, maybe Friday's, uh, verses 13 and 14. You're gonna hear, hear more about this uh, in a few weeks. But I just want to look at the entire chapter. It's 14 verses. I want us to, to read this um, together and just kind of enter into it and, and be real careful the tension that you feel to read your own perspective and desire into it and to hear what God has to say. Because I have long read my desire into scriptures. It's been a long road for me to sort of learn how I'm not to do that. Isaiah 58, if you go to the middle of your Bible and you turn to the right, you'll probably be in Psalms somewhere, and you turn to your right, you'll find Psalm, Proverbs, Isaiah, and then 58. So here's what it says. Shout it loud, aloud, and do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion. This will not win friends and influence people. Declare to my people their rebellion and to the descendants of Jacob their sins. And then here's the assessment. This is the prophet Isaiah speaking to God's people. For day after day they seek me out and they seem eager to know my ways as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of God. They ask me for just decisions and they seem eager for God to come near to them. All of us begin to read ourselves into this, don't we? Depending on where you are on the political spectrum, you'll immediately start to read yourself into this, to read our nation into this. And they begin to ask questions in verse three. Why have we fasted, they say, and you haven't seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? Yet on the days, here's the critique. On the days of your fasting, you do as you please and you exploit all your workers. And your fasting ends in quarreling and in strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. Your fasting ends in quarreling 
and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. This, this religious activity, this fervor, ends up in increased division specifically among God's people. Specifically within people who call themselves or who claim they are called by his name. That would be the old covenant version of that. The new covenant version would be those of us who follow Jesus. He says you can't expect to be heard if this is the posture that you take. Is this the kind of fasting that I have chosen only for uh, only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and lying in sackcloth in ashes? Is that what you call a fast, an acceptable day to the Lord? So we're doing all of these things and we're trying to figure out, God, what's the right way that you want us? What's the right thing that you want us to do? And it seems they've gotten this, I think it just speaks to our tendency to believe if we can just believe the right things and be sincere enough about believing the right things that somehow God will bring his favor and he'll just work everything out. And then he adds this, and he says in verse six, is this not the kind of fasting that I have chosen? And to be honest, um, this is one of those John 17 passages that I just avoided for a long time because I just don't like the implications. This is God saying, is this not the kind of fasting? And he talks about it as being a kind of fasting. Is this not a kind of activity that I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice and to untie the cords of the yoke and to set the oppressed free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked, clothe them and do not turn away from your own flesh and blood? This is the kind of fasting that God is inviting us into, is to giving ourselves on behalf of other people, particularly those who are sort of pushed away. Then he says, your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will appear, uh, quickly appear. And then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will, uh, you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here I am. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, and with the pointing finger, and with the malicious talk. I, I didn't write this, just so you know. This is like, we're still reading out of the Bible. Then your light will rise in the darkness, and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land, in the middle of the heat and the desolation, and the longing. You will be like a, uh, he will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. And you will be called repairer of the broken walls, restorer of the streets and with dwellings. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's day honorable, and then here's kind of our list. Here's what this has to do with what we're gonna do today. If you honor it by not going your own way and by not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find joy in the Lord and I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. 
Did you feel that? That's a lot. That's a lot. So my aim in this is there are predictable things that will happen in the world around us. Uh, they're, they're completely predictable. Um, the ongoing fight over Roe v. Wade is completely predictable. There should be no surprise. I wanted to try and understand and process a little better. and I wanted to sort out before the Lord. Because I think the church, and maybe the capital C church or some portions of it, I don't want to overgeneralize, but I'm going to have to for just a moment, um, is rejoicing as though America has taken a moral turn, and that's not true. There, there probably is no difference in the moral makeup of our country today than there was last Thursday. Um, and, and, I also understand those who are celebrating, and I also understand those who are fearful. And so I wanted to work and to try and, and do this. And what I have found, and I've been working through this for a long time, but, but more acutely in the last five days, that most people who are pro-life do not want mothers to die and they don't want to take away women's health care, right? And I know, I know we hear that. The people that I know, that's not their posture. They care about the unborn and validly so. And all pro-choice people, right, don't want abortions, you know, all the time. And they're not, baby, they're, they're not that way. There, there are just other, and they get labeled in this way. And, and I want us to think about this a little bit differently, that abortion is not about a right to life or just a right to choose, but it's about a disintegration of something, something profound that has to disintegrate in order for this. And what I have found is that we do a lot of work with fostering and adoption and embrace grace and all the things to work very diligently for the preservation of life and the support of mothers young mothers and sometimes older mothers who have unwanted pregnancies. We have very good resources for that. What I have found and heard from this week is women who have had abortions. And I want you to hear me very clearly. If the numbers are correct, and I have reason to believe that they are, one in four women, a lot of whom attend church, have had an abortion which means that you know somebody who has had one. All of us do. And the reason that we don't know their name is because it is terrifying to share. And so what I have heard, I've heard this multiple times from people who love Jesus and are doing the best they can to sort of rectify a decision that they have made, a choice that they have made. And what they tell me is I'm going to hell for what I've done. God hates me. I don't deserve anything better than what I've got. And what I want you to hear very clearly from us, because you, you know where the church stands 
on the unborn, we are for them. But if you are a woman in our congregation, within the sound of my voice, and you've had an abortion, I want you to understand that we are for you as well. We are not just trying, you know, that's okay. Um, the reason I want you to hear that is because that is not voiced in public. And what I have heard is that women who have done this, you know, when we say, and if you're a pro-choice, pro-choice belittle, it's not, a, it's, it's not, women who have experienced this don't feel like it's a choice. It's an impossible situation. And we just make it sound like, oh, I was like gonna, you know, this or that. That's not, that's, at least that's not who I know. That's not the people that I'm talking to. And they don't tell anybody and they especially don't tell other believers because they already believe the worst things about themselves. And listen, God's forgiveness isn't just to go, okay, you did that, he forgives you, and now you're still. God's forgiveness and his grace is redemptive and it's restorative and it brings purpose and it brings healing and it brings wholeness. And you need to hear that and we need to make sure that that is the message that people hear. I don't want us to be I want us to be focused on what the gospel actually means for the world around us. And I want us to get sidetracked with all these other things because there are too many people who are being hurt and hurt very badly and then used as pawns in this continued game. And we get to be different. We get to be different. Here's what this has to do with the Sabbath, right? Because what he's saying to us is we keep posturing ourselves, expecting him to do something. And what he's saying is if you learn to give yourself for other people, right, that's where the healing, that's where his work, that's where his. And the point of a Sabbath is not for you and I to be filled back up, but rather to remain in him. It's, it's a posture of reorientation. It's a posture for us to reorient ourselves that the way in which we are inclined to think and live and behave in our world is largely formed by the world in which we live. And we need space to be formed by him. And we need each other to help us do that. And we need to share our stories with one another because when we acknowledge the depths of our sin, the depths of our struggle, the depths of our hurts, that's where we actually get to experience the depths of God's grace. The reason confession matters isn't because, oh, God knows you're serious. It's because the, 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 if you try to minimize your sin or pretend it's not bad, you are actually withholding yourself from the depth of God's grace that brings the kind of healing and restoration that his, that his image goes before us. He serves as our rear guard. Right? All these things are postured in there. If you're a parent... This isn't like, this isn't about you, you know, to, to give ourselves away. It isn't about you doing more. But rather, it's about doing what you can. If you're a parent and you give yourself for a small child or children in your house, you're giving yourself away for that. You're doing redemptive work in the world. When you give yourself or your employees and you work to help people serve your clients or you work in the classroom and you help students, all these things are ways in which we give of ourselves for the sake of other people. This is what I think it's talking about. And this is what God says. When we do and posture ourselves like this, 
the light will break forth like the light of dawn. It just begins to be a little sliver on the horizon until the noonday emerges. That's the picture in this passage here. One of the things that I wrote down this week as I was reflecting before I knew I was supposed to do this or going to do this, and either the Lord really like orchestrated this or we missed something really badly. But I wrote down in there, there have been so many good things happen in our church. So many good things. And the next sentence, but every step has felt hard. Have you felt like that? It's like every step just feels hard. And it is. This is hard work. This is very hard work. But it's work that matters. And what you will find when you are willing to really dig in and let these things sort of rest on you, you will find that God is unbelievably faithful. He is unbelievably faithful to all of us, to each of us. So these things are designed for us to receive. So let me give you our list. This is our, this is our Sabbath activity because you don't just sit by the pool and do the podcast. You should do both of those things. But what he says is this. This is what it looks like in my journal. So verse 13, he says, The Lord's holy day, keep it honorable. And if you honor it by not doing three things, number one, not going your own way. A little Fleetwood Mac action, right? Number two, this is Sabbath activity. Number two, by not doing as you please. And then number three, Should I continue? Think about what this would do. If on your Sabbath space, I know I can't get a, you can't get a, just in your Sabbath these moments, and accomplishing your will and all the pressure that comes with it just sort of subsided. You don't, you don't go your own way. You reorient to something else. Because you recognize that the, the formation that we experience day in and day out, right? Do not be conformed any longer to the patterns of this world. There's a formative effect of the world in which we live. It is a formation machine. And if we just took some space and said, Lord, I'm not going to go my own way. It's just a, it's a posture to receive something else. If we don't do as we please, if we don't satisfy our desires, if you just abstain. I mean, it's interesting. He talks about this as a fast. And then he talks about giving ourselves away and all this. If we denied ourselves, intentionally denied ourselves some things, not constantly just pursuing whatever we wanted, whatever we felt like we needed. Because if we're honest, 
right? Most of the things that we say are trying to get these two things. And this third idea is that you just, you just don't share words without purpose, without redemptive purpose. I got a minute left. So here, here's what I did. I still do this a little bit differently. Twitter came out in 2012. I don't know when exactly when it did. And I was deciding if I was going to get on Twitter. So I kept a Twitter journal. I know you're shocked by that. And what I did was I wrote in my journal what I would post online for six months without ever posting anything. Do you know how many of those things I look back at and say, whoo-hoo, glad I didn't post that? And it begins to frame how you see and how you think and how you share. And now what I do is before I post anything, I write it in Evernote. I, don't, I write emails in Evernote. I don't ever write an email with the reply bar already filled out, never. Because sometimes my first draft is never the draft you want to hear from me. And so I write it out in Evernote. And then I look at it. I say, Lord, I don't want to force my way. I don't want to make this about sort of making me feel like I need to feel. And Lord, let my words bring grace and be seasoned with grace to all who may hear. And it's, it's, a, it's a posture. And what, what I've learned that the Sabbath, this, this treating these spaces like Sabbath, and it's interesting these are all connected together. It's a way for us to reorient ourselves, to receive something from him. To receive something. And we zip it and we let go of our demands. God has an unbelievable way of beginning to satisfy and to bring life into some of the places that we are demanding, right, in ways in which we would have never chosen to do it. So as you're thinking about this, this is your assignment. And then you ask yourself, Lord, out of this, how could I give myself away, right? That's what I'm learning in the summer Sabbath. I hope that some of that was perhaps helpful to you. Clay, I'm gonna invite you up. Um, and I want you, I know we've got some things we're gonna be talking about, about how we're doing this collectively as a church. And um, my prayer is, again, not that you would feel that we are taking some stand on anything, but rather that you would know that we are absolutely committed to helping you, each of you, walk with God in whatever way we can. If you are here and you have experienced an abortion, and some of you are members of family members, like you're men and you've had something happen in your relationship and things like that, um, we have people um, who we are happy to connect you with yeah. if you think it would be the beginning of a healing process for you to have a place, a safe place.
for you to share um, your story. We would be honored to extend ourselves to you in that way. Yeah, for sure. Clay. That's great. Um, first of all, can we just thank Mike for this message, his, his words, his encouragement? Really powerful. So here's where we're going, right? Through this um, summer Sabbath, um, we're not just trying to talk about this. Uh, we're trying to like live into this, right? We're trying to like learn new rhythms and that requires us to participate. So that's why the podcast is out there. It's a way for you to participate. And we want you to practice these things um, individually. But one of the things that we recognized is we think that um, as a church, God is calling us to also practice corporately. And so we were thinking, how do you do that? How do you practice, you know, Sabbath corporately? Hopefully it's talking about the podcast. It's talking about the devos. It's talking about what you're learning. Just like Mike shared with us what he's been learning. We can do that with each other. But I think there's another way we can do it um, as a church. And so um, on July 31st, the last Sunday of this month, um, we are corporately going to practice a Sabbath Sunday. Um, and that's a Sunday where we are not going to gather at all at any of our buildings. What? We're getting, we, yeah, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> we, we, are taking, we are taking a time out. We're hitting pause. And we're going to take a Sabbath um, as a church. And what we're going to do by doing that is we're actually going to carve out time for you individually, uh, you with your family, uh, you with your friends, to have some space to rest, to take a corporate breath, to see striving and to trust in God's provision. And so on July 31st, you can go and put it in your calendars. And I would encourage you to start thinking about how are you going to deliberately with your family, with some friends, um, carve out at least a portion of that Sunday uh, to Sabbath. Uh, we're going to come around it and we're going to give some resources. We'll have a video that you can watch, right? You can sit with your family, you can sit with your friends in front of a TV or a computer and you can listen, you can watch, you can participate. Uh, and then on our website, we're gonna have some resources, some guides for how you can kind of um, create a day that is very, that is restful, that is, that is Sabbath. Um, so that on July 31st, you have a whole day of that. Um, and then also that actually begins to create maybe a rhythm for you and your family uh, going forward. And the rhythm wouldn't be that you don't come to church, <laughs> right? But that you come to church and around that, like, how are you being intentional? Like, how are you practicing these things to not go your own way or just simply try to fill your desires or just to kind of be unintentional with what you say, but that you mean Sundays or maybe it's a Saturday for you or a Friday for you. It's intentional. It's carved out for that. And so we would love for you to start thinking about it. We'll give you more information as we move towards July 31st. But just know that is um, on the way. And then like Mike said, man, we, we are here as a church to help you walk with God. And for a lot of us, that's walking through shame. That's walking through difficulties from our past or maybe current things that we're going through. We're always available. We're always available down front after a gathering or in the Connect Center. So come and find us. And we'd love to talk with you or pray with you. Before we leave, I'd love to pray us out of here. If y'all would join me in a word of prayer. Uh, Father God, thank you for uh, this time, this space. God, we thank you for, um, man, Mike's incredibly challenging and encouraging words today um, that we can be a church who, who is for people, that we're not just about a, a bunch of religious activity. We're about redemptive activity. We're participating with you in your kingdom. And that means caring for people. That means meeting people right where they are. Setting people free by pointing them to you. 
And God, we just pray that we would all feel that. There are so many things in our lives that I'm sure most of us feel a sense of shame and guilt that still lingers and still holds us captive. God, we pray that you would, through your spirit, break those chains, that we would experience forgiveness. And not just that we are forgiven, but that your forgiveness brings your grace, your redemption, and your freedom. And that we'd have people who can surround us in that, God. And so we just, we're thankful for this summer Sabbath. We pray that you'll continue to teach us and grow us and shape us and mold us more and more into your image. God, we love you. We thank you for this day. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, church. We love you guys. We'll see you all really soon. Have a great afternoon.